You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Your awesomeness. Lord, we also, because of that, trust you. We rest confident and secure, not in ourselves, but in your promises and your power and your provision for us in Christ. It's in those things we trust, not ourselves. Lord, we ask you to come. We thank you that you are here. Your Holy Spirit resides in us and moves about us. But Lord, we ask you and we invite you to work in us and through us in new and fresh ways as individuals, as families, as a church, that we would know you in deeper and more intimate ways. And Lord, because of that invitation, we also very confidently cry out to you in our times of need, whatever that need may be for each of us, but we know that you hear us and answer. And Lord, we also give thanks to you. We give thanks to you because you are the source of every blessing. The things, whether material or spiritual or just relationships, any numerous things that we can give thanks for, Lord, let us know that behind that is your generosity to us, your love for us, your care for us, your provision for us, especially in Christ. So, Lord, as we move forward in this time of sharing and and, uh, as a church, as we worship you, as we have in song, but we also do it in, in, in the word and in testimony, Lord, may it be glorifying to you because of who you are and what you're doing in us and through us. And it's in the precious and glorious name of Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to get our house lights turned up here. Um, four times a year we get this opportunity to come together as a family and just do something a little, a little different. Uh, we obviously, we're going to keep our kids in the service all the time, so they're going to get squirmy and they're going to start moving around and that's okay. Uh, we want to teach them. Um, older kids, we want to model well for the younger kids how to, how to sit and listen. Uh, and we're going to have an open mic time in just a little bit, and we want to talk about the Deploy to Culture Challenge and uh, how it's been going. As you guys know, this past summer, uh, we came to you guys, and we felt that as a church, we wanted to uh, be more engaging in our mission to deploy to culture, and so we decided to do something really practical, really tangible that any of us could do, and we came up with this Deploy to Culture Challenge, um, and we passed it out to you guys, and we invited you to pick five people and uh, put their names on a card that you'd like to see come to know Christ. And then over the course of a year, we'd ask you to pray for those people. And so we handed out a nifty prayer guide to help you know how to pray for those people. We asked you to, uh, to pray for them uh, once a week. We asked you to twice a year be hospitable to the people that are on your list. And so we had an article here on the importance of hospitality in the 21st century. And we handed out this article. And then uh, recently... Uh, in our home communities, we went through and talked about the importance of just serving our neighbors. And so we said, you know, twice a year, we want you to serve those five people on your list, a tangible act of kindness to lead toward the gospel. And obviously, we handed out another resource here. And then uh, this next month, we're going to be handing out one on, on the gospel conversations, how to share your story to your unbelieving friends. And so our goal in that is not just to tell you guys, hey, pick five people and go out there and, and you know, just lead them to Christ. We want to we make disciples. We want to be very... Um, meticulous in how we go about forming you guys and giving you guys the right resource. And I've been sharing this resource with a number of pastor friends of mine as, as we've done some different gatherings, and they're just floored by it because in most churches, you have a really entertaining speaker, 
that that's what people come to listen to, and then you have staff that kind of run programs, and that's what it means to be a part of the church. But in our model, we believe that we're all a part of the church, and we're all called to, to take this message out and this mission out. So we want to equip you guys as best we can in doing that. So if you have not picked up these resources, perhaps some of you guys are doing the challenge, but, not, but you're not in home community, they're available in the lounge, foyer, uh, up, uh, up on the shelf there to your right as you're heading out. Uh, we've got the, the different resources out there. So I want to encourage you guys to pick those up. There'll be another one coming out this month so that we have the resources, we have the tools, we, we, we have truth, right? But sometimes I think this can be a really daunting task. I mean, when you look at these five people in a church of introverts, we're like, how in the world, you know, is this going to, except for Cecilia, she's, you know, our one extrovert. Thanks, Cecilia. Um, but, uh, but for the rest of us, uh, it can seem daunting. So what we want to do tonight, this morning is spend some time just sharing about how that's going, introvert to introvert, right? How's that been going, good or bad, and working on it? And so Royce is going to come up right now and just talk a little bit about the importance of that and uh, why we want to share this time. As, as Josh said, and as most of us probably feel, um, that uh, talking about deploying the culture, intentionally going out and sharing the message of the gospel, both in our actions and in our uh, words especially, is intimidating. It, it just, we get fearful. What if I get it wrong? What if I say something that's not right? What if they, what if they have a question I don't know how to answer? Or, you know, there's, there's any number of things. Just, just going and meeting somebody sometimes, some of mine on my list, or on some neighbors across the street. I've met them, but I haven't had any kind of in-depth conversation. How do I initiate that without being some religious radical kind of guy? And, and as we, Josh and I have talked about it, and, and as we've thought about it, and also as I've worked through those kind of feelings myself, as Josh says, as introverts, we struggle sometimes, is I want to go back and remind us as a church why we're doing this, just very briefly, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're doing this because as part, we, the gospel and our pathways uh, uh, ministry, philosophy ministry, our pathways discipleship processes, the gospel changes our identities. And then from those identities, we have things we do to achieve our mission, to draw to Christ, developing community, deploying the culture. So the gospel changes us and makes us ambassadors. And through hospitality, service, and evangelism, we deploy, we intentionally go out into culture. But we have to remember that it's not just us doing that. And what do I mean by that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm not going to read the whole section, but in this, um, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. All this is from God. All this is from God that he's been talking about. Who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are reconciled to God because he reconciled us to himself. We didn't come to him first. He brought us to himself. So catch that. He, we're here in this room because God has brought us here. But he also, in that same sentence, says he's also given us the, the, um, uh, the ministry or the service of reconciliation. And then he goes on and says, so we have that responsibility. And then he says, that is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So again, he says something, the same, the same thing, but slightly differently. He says, now God, has, God, through Christ, is reconciling the world to himself. Who's doing the reconciling? God is doing it. He's bringing people uh, to himself. And at the same time, though, uh, he says, 
not counting their trespasses against them because Christ died on the cross, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Entrust is a stewardship word. It means that you, you, you are given something valuable to take care of and use in its proper way, and someday you'll be held accountable for it. So he's given us the, the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. And then he goes, verse 20, chapter 5, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors. We represent, like an ambassador for a nation, we represent somebody bigger, more powerful, and more important to us, to those who do, are not in that kingdom. And we represent not uh, a country, but a king, and that is Christ. And we have the power, because not because we in and of ourselves are able, but because, but because um, uh, the king has the power. He is working in us and through us. So one of the encouragements I want us to have is when we get out there and we think about these just praying for people, we're praying that God would reconcile them to himself. We're not just praying that I think of something to say. We're praying that we know that God wants to draw them to himself. We pray that as we have hospitality, we can demonstrate to them the generosity that we have received in Christ. We can serve them, not because they deserve it, neither do we deserve it, but that we do it because of, again, the generosity of the gospel. And someday, hopefully in a natural conversation, we'll open up our mouths and say, say something about Christ's love for them, his death on the cross for them. We're going to give you some tools for that, and we're going to say something to help them understand that that is real and tangible for them. My, my word of encouragement is this. As you start thinking about it and you feel intimidated, you feel like you're drawing back, this feels a little risky, that's okay. The, one of the last things Jesus said to the church before he ascended was, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Here's sort of a paradox of faith. If we want to experience the power of God in our life, we actually have to take a little step of risk so that we need the power of God in our life. If we're always staying back and being comfortable and, and in our fortress, whether our fortress of our home or our own self-comfortableness uh, self or even within the church, we're not going to experience the power of God like he wants us to experience it. We need to experience it because we're out there and we're just taking a step of faith. And I'm confident that when we do that, we're going to have more stories like this of what God is doing in us and through us. This isn't just something for Deploy to Culture Challenge. A while ago, as we were reading, we, we, put on, we put a verse in the office there where we pray before we come out in the service, before the door, um, on the door, this, this sign hangs there. It's a scripture verse. It says this. It's Acts 11, 20 through 21. But there were some of them preaching the Lord Jesus. Preaching the Lord Jesus. That's what we want to do at Red Sea. Quite simply, what do you guys preach at Red Sea? We want it to be the Lord Jesus. And then the next verse, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. That's our heart for every Sunday. As we get up here and we pray and, and we preach the Lord Jesus, if the hand of the Lord is, is not with us, nobody's coming. But if the hand of the Lord is with us, a lot are coming. And a lot are not just believing, but they're turning to him. So we just want to encourage you to be bold, to be encouraged, take out some steps. Take little ones at first, that's great. But go ahead and do that. Now, we also know that some of you have already done that. We already know that you have lists. You already know you've done hospitality. So what we want to do for the next half hour or so is have an open mic. I'm inviting you up here to share. The theme of this open mic is that of the Deploy to Culture Challenge. 
the five people. You're praying for them. Hospitality, service, evangelism. Um, what the Lord has laid on your heart. Some of you pray. You, you show us. You share with us whatever it is you want. If there's a story you've had an opportunity to share, tell us what it is. Even if it was before the Deploy to Culture Challenge, it might encourage us if something maybe last year you had a conversation. It's okay to share those kinds of things too. So we're going to open up here. We're going to ask that you come up here and share. We just ask that you speak loud enough that everybody can hear you uh, and use a little restraint in the sense of how long you're, you're speaking. Um, and then um, if there's open time when it's just open air, that's okay. It's okay for us to sit there and listen. So I invite you up. Um, so, you guys know that I'm a pretty shy person as it is, so being up here is kind of difficult, but um, one thing I've appreciated about this Deploy to Culture Challenge is that it's not just us doing things individually, like sometimes the people on our cards often are shared by somebody else on their card, and so Veronica and I actually share one of the, our coworkers on our card, and she, this person um, experienced a really sad tragedy in her life this last year. She lost her niece in a car wreck, unexpectedly, obviously. She was only 20, 21, maybe. And so it's hit this woman really, really hard. And um, so we've just been listening to her stories and telling her that we're praying for her and um, just trying to encourage her. And I know we've had other coworkers also doing the same thing who are believers as well. And um, most recently, we just decided that we needed to do like a, I don't know, just like a happy hour, one afternoon or whatever. And so we invited her to that, and she was real honest and said, you know, this is not something that I normally do because we don't know each other very well, and it's out of my comfort zone. And I'm like, me too, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, unfortunately, Veronica wasn't able to go that day, but she went, and another coworker and I went, and we just had really good conversation. And we, it didn't we didn't talk about Jesus necessarily, but it was just an open door to hear where she is in her life with um, missing her niece, Tori, and how we can, I guess, um, walk with her in that journey, even though we didn't know her niece, and just continuing to pray for her. And so I would appreciate you guys praying for our friend Kim, is her name, and uh, pray that um, God just continues to provide opportunities for us to speak the gospel to her, and that maybe one day she'll actually come uh, to here with us at Red Sea. So. Um, I came all the way down from the sound booth, so I had to wake, walk the greatest distance in the room to make it up here. Um, I wanted to just share, because it, this has actually been on my heart quite a bit for the congregation, um, ever since this, this 
uh, challenge launched. I'm, I'm in one of the Vancouver home community. I'm in charge of leading it. And so I've had my hearts on Vancouver trying to think about encouraging and what this looks like. Um, so I just wanted to kind of share what the Lord's been putting on my heart the last couple of weeks leading up to this open mic. Um, because I know I've heard from a lot of people and just get a vibe that this is hard for a lot of people here. And I consider myself an extrovert, somebody that's not afraid of talking to people. Um, and so I know a lot of you in here would consider yourselves introverts. And so um, I could tell this would be very, very hard for a lot of people. But the kind of the encouraging things that Lord put on my heart this week, because um, I'm, to be honest with you guys, I'm really scared myself. The people on my list, I, I can't think of how to even begin talking to them about the gospel. Um, I can hang out with them. I don't mind inviting them over to my house and hanging out with them or serving them. Um, but I just don't know how this is going to look at all. I've been, as I've prayed for them each week, that's one thing I have been doing so far is praying for each one of them every single week. I've been trying to think ahead, like, how are these conversations going to look like when I eventually get to the gospel conversation piece? And I, and I don't, honestly, to be up here right now, I don't have no clue what it's going to look like. But I talked, I was fortunate enough this uh, last week to go, once a year I meet up with a buddy of mine that we went to church together um, growing up. So we, I, we've known, we know each other since we were two years old. And we were talking about it. He's going to a church out in... Um, Tigard area, and he was asking me about how church was going. I said, yeah, we're doing this challenge, and I said, I just don't know what these gospel conversations are going to look like, and he's like, yeah, I, you know, he said the same thing. We grew up in a church where we served a lot. We were very hospitable, but we never were shown kind of what it meant to have a gospel conversation with somebody, either one of us, so we were, I told him about the challenge. He's like, well, this is a really neat opportunity. I'm glad that you guys are having this chance to, to do this together. And so that really encouraged me to hear from him that he would, he would himself like to have this same type of a challenge, you know, because he's never done it well. He's never shared the gospel because he just never saw it modeled. And as I kind of thought about this, I was thinking the last couple of days about the, 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 the scriptures and about how if you look at all these people that God called, they really didn't know what they were doing either. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you look at Moses, and God called Moses, and he was terrified. He had no clue. You know, he couldn't speak very well. And you look at um, disciples, fishermen, who weren't, you know, well taught of, of how to teach. These people were probably more terrified than we are. And, we, and so I look at all these examples. I'm thinking, like, if these guys were called and were able to spread the gospel, then why can't we? I mean, what's, what's so different about us? And so looking to those thinking about how each one of those people had to take a step of faith, I thought about what it meant to, to have faith. It means you have to kind of step out and do something that you're not comfortable doing. It's a leap of faith. Otherwise, it wouldn't be faith. And so as I'm thinking about this, I don't know how I'm going to have these conversations, but I know that God will, if I'm obedient, will provide that step for me to take. And I want to encourage us all to do it together and, and to have these stories where we can share and be obedient. And I'll close with, I know I've gone a long while, but I'll close with, at the men's retreat, I was challenged and one of our speakers about listening to Scripture. And he said, are you listening to Scripture? And a lot of us are like, yeah, we are. He said, well, in the Hebrew, if you listen, it means you actually did what it says. Because you can hear something, but if you're not doing it, you're actually listening. And so as I've looked at this deployed a culture and how Christ has asked us to go out and, and make disciples of all nations. 
It's like, I haven't really been listening because I haven't really done it. And so this challenges me to actually live out and listen to what the God has been preaching to us and asking us to do by taking action. So I hope you guys will, will join me, and I love you guys. I'm excited to do this with you. Not hard. <laughs> Love you, though. <laughs> um, so some of you may not know me. Um, my name is Brandon. I've been coming here for about a year now. It's really changed my life. Um, I've been a Christian for a long time, and, you know, one of my earliest memories was of my sister being born. I remember I was three years old, and my dad holds her up through a window, and I'm like, that's so cool. Someone I can boss around forever. We grew up... Um, with a very interesting relationship with God. My mom wanted us to go to church all the time, and my dad said, no, I have things to do on Sunday. Usually that involved him eating breakfast and then sleeping for a long time. Now, I don't blame my dad. He worked graveyard, um, but it did put a lot of strain on my mother to really teach us how to walk with God. So she would take us to church by herself. And eventually, after about seven years, my dad says, you know, Sundays are really lonely. Can I come with you to church? And my mom said, oh, yes, please. Please come with us to church. And so she came with us to, he came with us to church, and I saw for the first time my dad take responsibility in the household as a leader and somebody who I could really look up to, because up until that point, he was doing the Homer Simpson and just phoning it in. He wasn't participating. Now, for years, I've been watching my family slowly not go to church again. And my dad is back to his usual Sundays. And it occurred to me one day that God was saying, you realize it's your turn. You can't just say, 
your dad get, did good enough. It's your turn to lead him. He lost his way. Get up and do something about it. Now, some people might say that that's, like, that's an easy task, right? You just go up and talk to the guy who told you, you like how to do everything in your life. He taught me how to use tools. He taught me about life. He taught me everything. And I realized there's no way you can know how to do that unless you read the book. Uh, <laughs> lately, I've been reading uh, the Bible on my long trips at work. And um, another thing I came to realize is that God doesn't just speak to you through the majesty of his word in the book, but also through song. So one day I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm listening to the book, and then I had to shut it off because I, I was on four hours of sleep and I'm driving to Medford. <sighs> and I go, God, this is, this is the time we, sp we speak together on, on my way to to work. Can we do something about my family not being with you? And I kid you not, the sweet words of Kansas came on. Carry on my wayward son. I was like, what? <laughs> That just happened. And I was like, I heard you. Um, could have done it in a different way. Possibly presenting a solution to this. But that was pretty harrowing. Um, so then I got home that night and I thought, you're right. I have to carry on. I have to keep doing this because my dad isn't going to know what to do. He's lost. And so I will carry on. And I'm going to try and bring them as close to Christ as I can. Because, as Chris well knows, one of the verses that I just cannot reconcile in my life is the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And that shouldn't stop me from trying anyway. I'll go after you because nobody else wants to go after that story. Um, I, I would like to know how many of you guys have a parent on your list of your five. Do you have a parent on there? Yeah, so you're in, you're in common crowd. People are right there with you walking that journey. Uh, so my story is one of service. Um, I have a guy on my list that we have a, a fairly mutual beneficial relationship. You know, one of those relationships where I kind of help you and you help me. And the fact that our kids go to school together, and so he's my go-to guy when I need somebody to watch my kids, and I'm his go-to guy when he needs somebody to watch his kids. And so we have this mutually beneficial relationship. So I didn't want that to be my act of service, you know, watching his kids or him watching my kids. So I was looking for another opportunity. And so I got a text one day from him, and he said, hey, I got a whole bunch of firewood um, off a chip drop, and uh, it's way more than I was expecting. He's like, and it's covering my driveway. 
and I need someone to come help me chop firewood, and you can have as much as you want if you will come and help me you know, chop firewood. And I was like, great, this is an opportunity to, to, to serve him. Uh, and I didn't need any firewood. I have plenty in my house. And so I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll come over there and, and help you chop firewood. And so I came over there on a Saturday, and um, you could just see the look on his face. He was so happy to have someone help him. Um, chopping firewood goes twice as fast when there's two of you doing it. Uh, and he was already pretty burnt out at this point. Um, but the reason I bring the story up is he's from this area. His family's from this area. And he couldn't get any of his family to come and help him because none of them needed firewood, for one thing. And who wants to come and spend a Saturday chopping firewood? And so we spent the afternoon together. We chopped firewood. Our kids played around. and We talked. Um, and then uh, the next day, that morning, I get a text from him, and he said, thank you so much for coming. And for a guy to stop and say thank you, it's not something guys do a whole lot. But he said, you know, I, I couldn't get any of my family to come, but you came. And I think that's what service gives us an opportunity to do. It gives us an opportunity to play the role of family to people that really need it. And so I encourage you guys just to look out for those opportunities because, uh, because they're out there if we have open ears and open eyes for them. And they, they come to you a lot of times. You don't even have to, have to go to them. Um, just after hearing that word family, we have a, um, a family that we call Framley because they're our friends and family. And they've been in our lives since our children were, um, even before they were born. And we call them the Portos. So my parents know about the Portos and our families know about the Portos. And, and our children are almost like cousins together. Uh, we always, we made a commitment about a year ago that we were going to see each other at least once a month. Maybe it was even two years ago. And through that experience, you know, we've shared a lot of meals. We've had lots of sleepovers at each other's homes. And they've always been really respectful of our family praying before our meals and so forth. And uh, they you know, when this challenge came up, they were the first ones that came to my heart um, of how, rather than it just being a respectful relationship, how do we go a little deeper with these, with our family, right? Like people that are really close and dear to our hearts. And uh, so about a month ago, they received a a kind of a frantic phone call from their landlords. And they were, it was at the time where their lease was going to be running out. And um, their, the landlord's son was going to be moving home. He had been serving in the military. And so they were in a position where they were going to have to look for a, a new home really quick. And uh, long story short, Eric and I, uh, you know, they're, Eric is a landscaping artist. And so they called and they said, you know, what we really need help with is our garden and our outside area. And 
looking at the calendar and all of our schedules, we said, okay, we can come on this Saturday. And uh, Eric and I went over there very, uh, very early in the morning, and we worked, like, on a Saturday. And to the point where that evening, um, that evening, I couldn't actually feel my arms. It was like I had two bowling balls in both of my arms. And, and, you know, I said to my husband, I was like, is this what you feel like all the time? I'm so sorry. And um, so, you know, we, we gave and we shared our, our talent and our time and so forth with them. And then the following weekend, uh, I had just offered to them, can, uh, can we host your children? And that way you guys can concentrate on packing. And they were like, whoa, what a blessing. Yes, yes. And all the time, you know, she would call me, my friend Jessica, and just say, you know, we, we found a house, but we're not sure about, you know, the security deposit and all this other sorts of stuff. And I just said, you know, I'm praying for you. God is good, Jessica. It is all going to work out. It is all going to work out. And uh, so this, a few weeks ago, we actually did host their children, and it happened to be on a Saturday. And... I said, well, you know, Eric is going to be playing music at the church on Sunday. So you, uh, the children are invited to come with us to church. And she said, well, that would be fabulous. They've never been to church. And, you know, when she shared with her son and daughter at uh, their dinner table a few days before that Saturday, uh, she said, so you guys are going to spend the night at the McClellans. And the kids are like, yeah. And she said, and, you know, on Sunday, you're going to go to church with them. And Aurelia's face lights up. And Cassidy was like, oh, no. You know, I've, I've never been to church. And I don't think I like church. And his sister says, well, Cassidy, we kind of call her Sally Jesse Raphael because she sounds a little like that. And she goes, well, Cassidy, how do you know you're not going to like something if you never try it? And it was like out of the mouth of babes. You know, it was just amazing. And they came to church with us on Sunday. And uh, Royce, you were speaking that day. And Cassidy rode home with me. Um, we drove separately because we realized we couldn't fit everyone in one car. And uh, Cassidy was sitting in the front. And, and he said, you know, I really liked it. And I said, oh, well, what would you like about it? And he, he was like, well, I, I liked, you know, I liked Royce's sense of humor, and, and I liked, you know, like, it, and he just had loosened up, and it was just this blessing. It was just such a blessing to hear it from him, and then they got to go home and share with their parents the experience, and um, so just continuing to pray for our family. And I should use the mic. We are going to pray for these people right now. 
because we want them to know who we know. And there is a mystery, Brandon. And the enemy's going to sit back and say, you'll never be able to explain it. And you know what? Us, we will never be able to explain it, but our God can reveal it to them just like he did us. I attended church for 14 years every Sunday, two times and on Wednesday. I listened to hundreds of sermons. And then one Friday night, God's spirit came to me and said, this is for you. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray that, that God will give us opportunities to show hospitality, to serve like he did Josh. And we're going to pray that God will open the eyes of our friends because that's his job. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have called each of us. But you, Lord, you've also called us to a mission. A mission, God, that you can use us as part of your story. So, Father, we ask for opportunities for hospitality. That we ask, God, in the name of Jesus, you will bind the enemy and make us too busy to see those opportunities. We ask, God, that you will allow us to see them, just like you did, Josh. We allow, God, that you will give us opportunities to serve in amazing ways that demonstrate your love to them. May we serve them unconditionally because that's what you do for us. And then, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, you will open their eyes. You will do a work that only you can do. That you can come down through the mystery of the gospel and say, this is true. And put it right in their laps and right on their hearts to say, believe it. It doesn't make any sense. It's a mystery, but I love you. The God of the universe loves you. And may they, God, be broken by that truth, just crushed by the reality that the King of kings and the Lord of lords cares about them and wants to know them and gave his son for them that we could have a relationship that can only be done and accomplished that way. So, Father, help us not to be full of fear. Instead, help us to be looking expectantly on how you want to reveal yourself to our friends. May we be faithful to the call of showing hospitality and service. May we be faithful and see the opportunity that you provide to speak gospel truth, knowing that you have gone before us to work in their lives in a way that only you can. And then, Father, may we rejoice, just like the angels in heaven, when people come to know you. Oh, and, that, and just be excited, God, that they now know you. Father, we ask this for the, the glory of your Son who called us, who lives in us.
wanted to just share briefly an incident that happened. I'm not going to take the mic out. That's a sign you're going to speak for a while, so I'm not going to do that. Um, is uh, Some people say, well, you know, as elders, as, as somebody who trains pastors like that, this should be a no-brainer, not just no-brainer, but should be just really easy because uh, you know a lot. Uh, that's true. Uh, that doesn't help me get out of my comfort zone uh, with other people. The other thing is I have an uh, occupational uh, limitation, and that is that I'm around Christians all the time. I train them. I'm my family, um, church. I'm around them most of the time. And I've realized that that's actually a barrier, that I actually have to get out and meet somebody who's not a Christian. And that's an occupational uh, um, barrier that I have. And so part of my prayer, I have five people. Uh, I, have, I have four that I've named. I named specifically uh, a family member and some neighbors. I also have my fifth one that I've named. I don't even know who they are yet because I haven't met them yet, maybe. So I want God to bring a path, across my path somebody that I'll know, hey, I need to build that relationship with you. I need to talk to you, and I need to share the gospel with you. A couple weeks ago, I had an incident. It's not an incident. I had an interaction with a guy in the street. Uh, Sam is his name. He was asking for money. He and his wife were in a motel room. They needed 65 more bucks to stay there for a little while longer. I don't carry much cash. That, that week, I actually had five bucks in my wallet. So he went on and started telling me his story, and I listened patiently. And he looked like he'd been on the street for a while and that he lived out of a motel. And I'm not being derogatory, just who he is. But I found it interesting that his story interleaved between, in his story, which I listened to for about 10 or 15 minutes, was God. He would say, hey, he was on a cane, walking very nimbly. And he's saying, hey, I was in an accident. And they said, you'll never walk again. But here I am, God healed me, and I'm walking with a cane. And, and he had some other, my daughter was in a, uh, hurt a while ago, and he had a great line. He said, uh, he said, and it was at night, and then all of a sudden, beside us, she was hurt real bad in a car accident. And, and there was this bright light standing, said, give me the child. And, and so, and then he says to me, um, I think it was Jesus, but I don't know it was Jesus, because I've never seen Jesus before. <laughs> and you handed her the child anyways. Okay, good for you. So he's telling me all this kind of stuff, and I'm listening to him, but because of time constraints and other things going on, I don't, I don't shamefully so, have the time to sit there for a lengthy conversation with him, and he needs 60 more bucks in a couple hours, so I just need to be honest with that. So I decided to pray for him. I said, Sam, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. He, he, I love you to pray for me. Now, I'm assuming that there's a certain kind of awareness of God, but he never mentioned, other than his not knowing what Jesus looked like, there was no mention of Jesus. So what I did is I just put my hand on him, and I just prayed. But what I prayed is just a simple gospel prayer that Sam would know that he's a sinner separated from God because of his sin, and that God died for Sam's sin. And he rose again for Sam to can have eternal life. And I just rehearsed basic gospel truths, praying for him, and knowing that Sam is overhearing it. And the reason I share that with you is sometimes we can just do, we, we don't have to always evangelize, hey, listen, you need to turn or burn. What we need to say sometimes is just in our prayers with them, pray the gospel. They'll overhear it. And you know what? That prayer is sincere. I really was praying that he become aware of his sin, that he would know that Christ died for him. I wasn't making it up. It was not bait and switch. It was not manipulation. It was a legitimate prayer. But at the same time, I know that he's overhearing it. So I just say that to encourage you to be creative, to be aware, to be alert to the people around you. And even if something as simple as praying a meal at dinner or something, pray some gospel truth into it. People are listening, and the Holy Spirit's working.
Hi, good morning. Uh, so my name is Micah Labovich. I've been coming, this is like my second week. <laughs> I'm actually a Western student. I'm graduating in December, but I uh, met Josh through some CB connections. And uh, I worked at Walmart for two and a half years just trying to pay our way through seminary and uh, make a living out here. And uh, in that time of working at Walmart, um, you know, I think one of the strangest things, and this was just, you know, a little over a year ago, of uh, having my list and having people that I would pray for on an intentional basis and talk with and every day, you know, try to, you know, find these conversations. And, you know, some days I would just feel like, oh, I would just beat myself up and I would come home and I just felt like I was just the worst example of Jesus, <laughs> like ever, you know, especially when I was a bakery manager because I would just complain about these pallets and I'm unloading pallets every single day and you clean a pallet and you go back and the next day and it's right back there again and you've got to, you know, you've got to deal with all this stuff and it just... It can get so worrisome, I mean, you know the whole time, they know you're a Christian because you don't work Sundays, and they know that, <laughs> so, and you talk about Jesus whenever you can, but you don't want to be weird about it, uh, and so, so, you know, and, and they know during, I mean, and you know, as I said, I was a seminary student, so every 15-minute break, every hour lunch, I, am, I was always doing homework, so I was, you know, doing Hebrew for 15 minutes, then doing Hebrew for an hour, then doing Hebrew for 15 minutes, and watching a lesson, and doing that, and, and doing everything I could. And uh, I always felt bad in, in the lunchroom because I felt like, you know, people know that I'm doing homework and they don't want to come talk to me, but I want them to come talk to me, but I really don't want them to talk to me because I got homework I got to do, you know? And so um, I would go through this and I would have all these battles of, of beating myself up and trying the best I could and praying for my list. And then um, there was one time when I was a bakery manager where, you know, and I would just live life with my, well, with my friends, with my associates. And uh, there was uh, one woman in the bakery who... Um, just one day, she noticed I was reading one of my books for seminary, and, and she asked, and she goes, oh, you know, hey, what's, what's that book about? So the, book, the name of the book was Gospel Treason, um, so it's not a book that people normally ask about. So, so you know, the, the, I mean, that's the thing is that they would know, you know, I'm reading my books, don't bother me. So she talked to me, and I didn't want to talk to her because I needed to finish the book by Friday or something like that. Um, and I talked to her, and uh, lo and behold, like a week later, she's owning the book. And she's reading through the book, and she and we had we had had some conversations. Of course, you know we worked together in the bakery, um, but then more conversations started coming, and she started talking about how she was going back to church, and how she she ran into and she was Catholic, so she ran into her parish priest kind of out of nowhere, and he invited her back, and so she began going back to church. And uh, I mean, and we had these incredible you know conversations about the gospel and Jesus and. And she wasn't on my list, <laughs> you know. I, I was like, no, you're not one of my five. I can't do this, you know. She, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, so so I just I just say that to encourage all of you and all of us, really, of of uh, as has been often already set up here, is to just continue to pray like crazy. And you know, as as Paul says, I, I believe that you know in the Colossians four, just that open every door, and you know that that it might be in the list, and sometimes it might be off the list, and. It might be way out of nowhere, and you have no idea that it was coming, and the Lord uses it, and the Lord uses it in an awesome way. And so uh, to just always remember that Jesus said we are the light of the world. When we go, the light goes. You know, just today I was talking with my son that even though you can't see the sun because it's cloudy, it's still light out because it's daytime. And to even think about that as a Christian, that sometimes we screw up, but we're still brighter than the dark, <laughs> you know? And so sometimes when we go out... We might not look so much like Jesus, but we look more like Jesus, and we bring more light than we realize. Um, and so just to encourage you guys to just be out there and just talk and listen and be ready because um, the Lord will bring the people 
that he wants you to speak to. Um, and, but don't give up on those five, <laughs> you know, um, but just be encouraged. So, that every time we do with the visitor gets out. It's always, it's always fun for me. It says a lot. Uh, so we're going to have a meal in just a little bit together as a family, uh, but we don't have to get out of here early this time because there's no church coming in after us like we've had for every other family gathering the last five years. So I'm kind of excited about just getting to hang out with you guys. Uh, but I did want to present the opportunity as, if there's anybody else that God's laid on your heart and you can kind of feel that stirring that you need to share something, there is time. And you can come up and do that now. Hi, I'm Angie, and I've been here forever. Um, I don't even, I don't know how long I've been coming here, but I've been here forever. Um, I admit that I haven't been doing the the five thingy. But last night, uh, I got some devastating news that's going to put more people on my list. Um, my stepdaughters came to visit with us yesterday, and um, they did an outing with Anthony and Bob, and I was writing. And so after I got done writing, we all got together and had pizza. And uh, they shared with me that, well, background story is my husband's ex-wife became a widow last Thanksgiving day. And uh, I didn't know it, but for years she's been suffering with depression. And recently she's become suicidal. And so um, several months ago, the uh, both girls, both my stepdaughters, had their own homes. They sold their homes and went in together with an, and bought a, a home with their mother, their mother sold their house, her house, because her husband had died there. And so now they all live in a large home, and they're living with their grandmother, who is on hospice. And they're, they were, you know, just uniting with their mother to um, just be supportive for her, because she's going through a lot. And the other day, she decided that she has nothing left to live for. And so the girls are very angry at her, and um, they are, they call their brother, and the three of them are going to be sending her to California to a treatment center for probably 30 to 60 days or something like that. And so that's, you know, they, they live in, in Richmond now, Richfield. So it's kind of going to be a long distance hosting or whatever for me, but... Um, it's just, I'm coming to you guys to help me pray for them, to, um, because this is huge, you know, because their grandmother's dying, 
their mother wants to die. They recently took her to see the Long Island medium when she was in Portland and she, she got a message from her husband and the medium had said that he's happy that the spirits are happy and they're content. And so she wants to go. So yeah, this is kind of too big for me, but I'm going to do what I can because it's long distance, <laughs> but I just wanted to share and ask for prayer. Thanks. Uh, let's just pray for you right now as a, as a church community. Um, Father, we come before you, and um, uh, like Micah was saying, um, your light does live inside of us as your people, and uh, that light is meant to shine into the darkness uh, of this world, and uh, these people that you've brought into Angie's life are living in darkness. Um, they are um, participating with the, the prince of the power of darkness. And um, I pray uh, that you would bring light into that darkness. Uh, I pray you would use Angie in a powerful way uh, of just her loving nature and compassionate heart uh, toward them to be a listening ear. Uh, I pray for uh, giving her not only acts of hospitality that she can demonstrate that love toward them, but I pray uh, for her words um, that you would put the gospel on her lips and give her that opportunity to bring truth uh, and to bring a message of your grace and your love into, uh, into this family, into, uh, into that dark situation. And uh, so we trust now, having asked God, uh, that you will uh, work. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.